0: Good morning, church. Well, as Dusty said, my name is Luke Proctor. I'm glad to get to be here with you this morning, and I get the privilege, as many of you know, of being married to Kevin and Cindy's daughter, Rebecca. Uh, Yeah, give her a round of applause. She's great. Um, I get to preach over in Sheldon, Missouri at Sheldon Christian Church, and Kevin and I are pulpit swapping today. He's over there all by his lonesome, and Cindy and Rebecca both came with me, so... (laughs) You know, it's been said before that the difference between in laws and outlaws is that you're not allowed to shoot your in laws. <laughs> and thankfully, I've never had to be in that dilemma before. So I just want to take a moment to let you all know before we get started how blessed you are to send under Kevin Moyers as your senior minister. Um, yeah, absolutely. When I think of somebody who loves God more than anything else, I think of Kevin. He is absolutely one of my heroes, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard him tell us about you guys by name and the things you're going through and how much he cares about you. I've seen him text you and call you and visit you on his time mock a week after week, and he prays for you countless times by name. Kevin Moyers is a man worth following, and I'm honored to get to be here with you guys today in part as a testimony to his and Cindy's faithfulness. Um, Well, as most of you guys know, you guys are spending eight months together as a church discovering what it means to be a CrossFit Christian. And this month you've been exploring the discipline of prayer. So Kevin kicked us off at the beginning of the month discussing some reasons why to pray. Then Tim came up and he he exhorted us to, to pray with perseverance and to pray with faith. And then Kevin came back last week calling us to pray in faith with a spirit of humility backed by a righteous life and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a pretty cool thing that you guys are preaching this much about prayer because prayer is a pretty amazing thing. I mean, if you think about it, God doesn't need our help running the universe. I mean, he's perfectly capable of handling everything on his own, and yet he allows us to participate with him through prayer. And that is pretty cool that God lets us partner with him in what he is doing. In fact, scripture gives us some amazing promises just regarding the sheer grace of God in allowing us to pray. First thing is God hears our prayer. It's pretty simple, but I mean, he doesn't ignore us. He doesn't have a long list of unread emails in his inbox. I mean, he's not uh, blocking our number. He's not forgetting to respond to our text. When we call God, we're not going to get his voicemail. God hears us. First uh, John chapter five, verses 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we have what we asked of him. So he doesn't just hear us. He also answers us. Kevin talked last week about James 5, 16, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer actually does work. And it just gets better and better from there because not only does God hear us and answer us, but he actually enjoys hearing us and answering us. Jesus himself says in John 14, verse 14, he says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. So because God loves hearing and answering our prayers, let's pray boldly. Because God's not annoyed at our prayers. He's not just wanting to hoard his stuff. No, he's generous to us. He's abundant. And, and our God is a big boy. He doesn't need us to protect him by praying timid prayers. I, I don't want to get to heaven and have God say, Hey, hey, Luke, why didn't you just ask me? I would have been happy to help you out right there. Let's respect God's power by praying bold prayers together. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen the movie Bruce Almighty. Um, Basically, in this movie, God just decides to let this guy named Bruce... ...to be omnipotent and to play God for a while. So Bruce kind of has to learn the ropes about how to be God. And one of the things he has to sort through is how in the world to answer prayers. And so Bruce is, he's hearing all these voices in his head that are all these people praying. And he decides, okay, I need a system to sort this out. So Bruce comes up with uh, filing cabinets. He puts all the prayers in filing cabinets. But it's a mountain. It's way too big. So then Bruce says, no, I'll do post-it notes. So all the prayers are on post-it notes. But then they cover his whole house. That's not going to work. So he devises an email system. He gets every prayer as an email. He goes to check his inbox one morning, and he has a million prayers in his email. So he types at Godspeed for a while, thinking he's made a dent in his inbox, and he goes to check it, and he has three million prayers in his email. So finally, he doesn't know what else to do. Bruce just hits reply all, and he says yes to every single prayer. (laughs) And if we're honest, I think a lot of us probably wish that prayer was like that. I mean, Put in a prayer, get an instant response. Yes, okay, great. (laughs) But we know from experience that's not true, is it? Some of you are maybe thinking, yeah, I mean, I prayed for a Ferrari and there's not one sitting in my driveway. Uh, Yeah, me too. Prayer doesn't just work quite that easy. Seriously, though, we wrestle with this question. What happens when we pray for good things in Jesus' name and we don't get them? They don't happen. One day, a fisherman who really believed in the power of prayer prayed one morning to catch a lot of fish, and he goes out to fish. He fishes all day, and he didn't get a single nibble. So the fisherman comes home. He's frustrated, and he's venting to his wife about his other frustrations with this prayer, and his seven-year-old little daughter overhears him, and she says, Well, Daddy, maybe the fish just prayed harder than you did. Is that why i'm praying for something But is there somebody else who's just praying a couple more prayers than I am for the other thing? So god's listening to them instead of me Why is god silent sometimes? The atheist would tell you that the reason god is silent is because god is absent. Duh There's nobody home at that address is what they would say and silence May be a golden thing if you're a mother of small children, but for many of you the silence of god and the question Why is festering in your gut like an ulcer in your soul. I mean, you pray and you pray and you pray and it seems like your words just bounce off the ceiling and fall flat. Does God not care? Did I do something wrong? Is he even there? Is God even strong enough to do anything about this? A lot of people in the Bible felt that too. I don't know if you know the story of Job. Job was an innocent man. And yet his kids were killed. He lost his house, his livestock, his fortune, his health. He was left miserable, mourning, sitting on this ash heap. And he wailed at God in Job chapter 30, verse 20. He said, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. And yet scripture is still emphatic that God answers prayer. Uh, Just a few chapters later in Job chapter 33 verses 13 and 14, somebody who's with Job rebukes Job and says, why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. Have you ever noticed how loud the silence can be? It's like when we were kids, you guys remember playing hide and go seek as a kid and somebody would start to count and so you'd run away and you'd hide off in a dark corner of the house and as soon as you would crouch down to hide, two things would happen. You remember, first, you immediately had to go to the bathroom. I don't understand why that happened. And secondly, you could just hear your heart beating like a drum in your chest, right? You're hiding. And I'm telling you that even in the silence, I want you to keep listening because there is no such thing As an unanswered prayer. So when it seems like God is silent, I want you to do three things. First thing is this. When God is silent, examine yourself. Examine yourself. I mean, there may be a reason that you're not hearing or not seeing an answer to your prayer. So the first thing is just look for sin in your life. Your unconfessed sin will hinder your prayers. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And if you are indulging attitudes and behaviors that God forbids, then you should not expect to hear anything from God other than his conviction. And if the spirit is working on you right now to confess something that you haven't, then do it and repent. If you're nursing a grudge or still caving into that addiction or weaving a web of lies or holding on to bitterness or gossiping or being greedy and selfish with your money, it is going to get in the way of your prayers. When God is silent, examine yourself for sin. But the fact is, sin is not just the bad things that we do. It's also the good things that we don't do. Sin isn't just the things that we've done. It's also the things we've left undone. So examine yourself to see if you're doing everything that you should be doing. Examine yourself for God's word. Have you spent appropriate time in God's word? Because the fact of the matter is, God is never completely silent. He is speaking all the time through his word, his objective truth, even when our subjective emotions aren't feeling anything. John chapter 15, verse seven, Jesus says, if you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, when we pray, we're actually not just asking for stuff. We are continuing a conversation that God has already started with us through his word. God talked first. We're just talking back. So are you letting his words remain in you? Are you continuing the conversation? Do you know what he's saying because you've spent time with him in his word? The next thing is examine yourself for listening. Maybe God's not actually being silent. Maybe you're just not taking the time to listen to what he's saying. What does your prayer life look like? This is the hardest part of prayer for me. Are you giving him room to speak? Because it's hard to have a relationship with somebody when you won't ever shut your mouth and let them talk. Maybe God doesn't just want to hear what we have to say. Maybe he also wants to talk back to us. Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And he says in verses four and five, he says his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. So do you recognize his voice? And lastly, examine yourself for faith. See, if you're truly praying with faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he earnestly rewards those who earnestly seek them. So do you believe that he is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do and that he actually can do whatever it is that you're praying for? So that's the first thing I want you to do when God is silent. Examine yourself. And secondly, when God is silent, trust God, trust him. I hope that you will memorize this verse and cling to it often. Proverbs three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. One day, a fellow was out walking in the woods, he's just taking a hike and All of a sudden, he heard this rustling noise behind him coming from the brush. So he turned around and all of a sudden he was shocked to see this big old grizzly bear come out of the brush. And he did what, you know, you and I would do. And he took off running, but he's a middle aged guy. He's running as hard as he can, but he's got a pot belly. He's not getting very far, very fast. And this, this bear is gaining ground on him and he he runs and he runs and he runs and he's exhausted. He's about tuckered out. He's at the end of his rope. He knows the end is near. So he does in desperation, the only thing he can think of, the guy just drops to his knees right there and he says, Lord. Please let this be a Christian bear. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, to his utter amazement, he hears the paw pounding and the rustling behind him. Stop. And he turns around and he is shocked to see that this bear is down on its knees, paws folded. And he hears the bear say, Lord, we thank you for this food that we are about to eat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can trust God. He's going to take your prayers and he's not going to play a mean joke on you like that. He's not cruel. So when God is silent, trust him. Trust his character. Remember who he is because in the silence, in those moments of vulnerability for you, the enemy is going to whisper terrible things to you about God. He's going to say he's not listening. He's not there. You're not faithful enough. God doesn't care. But in those moments, we must remember the truth about God. That he is not a betrayer. And he has never betrayed you. I remember the day four years ago when the doctor came in and told us that my mom had cancer. And later that evening, we were at home. And a lot of the family came over and we were gathered around in the living room just praying. Praying for healing. And then I remember listening to my Uncle Mike pray, and he prayed, Dear Lord, I want to thank you for what I know that you're going to do through this. And that caught me off guard. I started to cry. It shocked me. I mean, here I am. My mom's just been diagnosed with cancer, and you're thanking God for it. But you know what? He was right. It is okay and good for us to pray, You know, God, I don't know what you're doing, and I'm scared but I trust you and I know that your ways really are higher than our ways and I know that you are gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and good to all. So even though I don't understand you, I trust you. It's a good prayer. We have got to cling to the truth that even in the silence, our God is a good, good father. And like any good father, he loves it when his kids ask him for things. But even when the father doesn't give the child what they ask for, it's for the child's good. No, you can't stay out till 2 a.m. the night before the test. Trust me, I know what's good for you. (laughs) And God's best for us is the best for us. And we have to remember that even when we don't understand, when our questions seem to go unanswered, this is a God that we can trust. His best for you is the best for you. You know, Mary and Martha, they wanted Jesus to make it in time to heal their dying brother, Lazarus, in John chapter 11. But Jesus didn't make it in time. He could have, but he didn't. And Lazarus died. And they were confused, and they wondered why. But we know that it was so Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. (laughs) This is a God that we can trust even when we don't understand and when our why question seems to go unanswered because there are going to be things that we don't understand. Suffering and confusion are going to come to us. It is inevitable, but misery is optional. Jesus says in John chapter 16 verse 33 in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So when God seems silent, we've got to remember that his ways really are higher than our ways and his thoughts really are higher than our thoughts so we can trust that his best for us is the best for us. And often when we pray for things, we think that the only suitable answer to our prayers is yes. I mean, that's why we pray. We want to get a yes, right? And God doesn't always give us what we want, but he always gives us what we need. And sometimes that means no I remember in sixth grade staring googly-eyed at Abby Jeffries sitting in the front row on the right side of the classroom in Mrs. Bertelson's English class, and she sat by Brian Gibson. Oh, man, oh, man, was I jealous. So I prayed that God would let me marry Abby Jeffries, and thankfully, God said no, because if you know my wife, Rebecca, you know God gave me what is best. Garth Brooks sang an old song about this. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. God doesn't always say yes. He's not a magic lamp that we can rub and a genie pops out and give us three wishes. He's not some kind of divine vending machine where if we put in the right amount of the right kind of prayers, we get to take out whatever we want. And some of you know that from painful experience. I can remember my friend Josh in high school. Josh is a good godly kid phenomenal trumpet player he loves to laugh but josh spent years in and out of all kinds of hospitals his hair gone his body racked with treatment after treatment and we prayed for josh for years and i remember being so upset when one of my peers went up to josh and said that the reason he had cancer was because he didn't pray with enough faith and josh and everybody else prayed with a lot of faith but god said no Rebecca and I, a few weeks ago, became aware of a young lady who found out that she was pregnant. There's no man in the picture. But this girl got involved with some Christian folks, even though she had no faith to speak of. And we prayed that through that influence, she would decide to keep the baby. But we found out that she took the pill. And the baby's gone. Sometimes God says no. You know, the Apostle Paul saw many massive answers to prayer throughout his life. But God said no even to him. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me paul had this debilitating weakness a thorn in the flesh he calls it and god just won't take it away and you'll notice that god doesn't explain himself to paul he doesn't answer the why he just says my grace is sufficient for you and that's a promise God's grace is all that we need. And maybe you've had this happen to you. You ask for success so that you can be happy, but you're given poverty so that you can be wise. you ask for strength so that you can achieve, but you're made weak so that you can learn to obey. You ask for health so you can do something and live, but you're given weakness so that you can learn to empathize. And you might wonder then, well, why pray? If God's just going to do what he wants, what's the point? Well, what if the point of prayer wasn't just to get what we wanted what if the point of prayer was to train us to be godly to make us look like jesus where we can say as he did not my will but yours be done and if that is the point of prayer to make us godly to transform us to be like him then when god says no he doesn't need to explain himself instead he just gives us a glimpse of who he is he calls us to lean into him and to what he's done, and to trust that when we have him, we actually have all that we need. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You lack nothing. Even when he says no, his grace is sufficient for you. Even when you don't have the answers to your questions, you can be at rest. You can fear no evil, for he is with you. And he guides you along the right paths for his name's sake. And his grace is sufficient for you. And his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, even when you pray. And he says no. So sometimes when God is silent, he's saying no. But sometimes when it seems like God is silent, we may think he's saying no, but he's actually just saying not yet. Not yet. Because he wants us to persevere. You know, when I ask for something, I kind of expect to get it at once. But oftentimes, God's table, their timetable, is not the same as ours, which means that we have to wait. And waiting is something that we're not very good at. I mean, we live in a world of instant gratification, right? With fast food, drive throughs and pocket devices that can pull up nearly any bit of information in 30 seconds or less. And if there's more than two people in that checkout line, it's just not worth it. Amen? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In fact, Microsoft recently did a study on the human attention span. And they found that while in the year 2000, the average person had an attention span of 12 seconds, since then it's gone down. Now, the average human being generally loses concentration after eight seconds, which is remarkable because a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. I'm not making this up. So congratulations, you have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. So to combat this statistic, if any of you guys can make it through the rest of this sermon without losing concentration at all, there will be a prize for you out in the lobby at the end of the service. But now you're all daydreaming about the prize, so you all lose. (laughs) you know a preacher was praying one day and he said god how long is a million years to you and god said it's just one second and the preacher said wow well well how long how much is a million dollars to you god said it's just one penny the preacher was thinking he was pretty clever so he decided to ask god he said all right god could i have one of your pennies <laughs> and god said sure just a second <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Some of you are getting it now. There you go. Good job. (laughs) Sometimes that's how God's timing feels, isn't it? When I think of waiting on God in prayer, I think of George Mueller. George Mueller ran an orphanage in England in the 1800s, and his main policy was prayer. For example, one morning there was no milk for the children's breakfast, and so George Mueller started to pray. And as he prayed, a milk wagon broke an axle on the corner right outside the orphanage. And the delivery man was scared that his, uh, his load would spoil. So he donated all of this milk to the orphanage. Wow. Another time, 28 new orphans arrived and they had no plates to feed them on at the orphanage. So George Mueller began to pray. And then all of a sudden, a woman who was moving to a new home came to the door with a donation of kitchen supplies. And when they opened her donation, this is no lie, they found 28 spoons, 28 forks, 28 knives, 28 cups, 28 bowls, and 28 plates. Wow. But God didn't answer all of George Mueller's prayers immediately. George Mueller once wrote, The great point is to never give up until the answer comes. And later, towards the end of his life, George Mueller wrote, I've been praying for 63 years and 8 months for one man's conversion. He has not converted yet, but he will be. (laughs) And then George Mueller died. But before he was buried, that man that he'd prayed for for all those years became a Christian. Waiting on the Lord is hard. It is. And yet when we wait on the Lord... It makes his answer that much sweeter when it comes. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Water's most refreshing when we're truly, truly thirsty. Those who mourn know the truest joy of comfort. Those who are hungry experience the meal the best. In Genesis chapter 12, Abram is a 75-year-old man without any kids. But God shows up and he says to Abram, he says, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land i will show you and i will make you into a great nation and i will bless you and abram waits for decades still no child and in the process of all of this as abram is waiting god changes his name to abraham which meant father of a multitude That must have seemed like a sick joke to somebody who had no kids. You can imagine the conversation in the marketplace. Oh, there goes Abraham, father of a multitude, without even a son to carry on his own name. And yet, Abraham believed God. Now, he wasn't perfect. He screwed up plenty of times along the way. But he trusted God, and 25 years after that first promise... When Abraham was a spry 100 years old and Sarah was just a spring chicken, 75, God gave them Isaac. You know, he was good to his promise, but Abraham had to wait 25 long years. The answer to his prayers wasn't no, it was just not yet. And Abraham had lots of questions during his lifetime for God, and it's okay to ask God those questions. He's big enough to handle your feelings. But when he answers you with not yet, just don't give up. Never stop praying. Don't lose heart. You know, Rebecca and I have prayed for some of you by name for things that haven't happened yet. And I don't know why they haven't happened. But we will keep praying. And I know that the leadership of this church, the men who lead you, are praying for you. And they will keep doing so. So when God says not yet, persevere. Because no matter what, in the no and the not yet, this is a God that you can trust. So when God seems silent, examine yourself. Trust God and look towards heaven. That's the last thing. Look towards heaven. One evening, three old guys were out on the back porch sipping sweet tea. One of them said to the others, you know, what do you want folks to say about you at your funeral? I think I want them to say that I was the friendliest guy they ever met second guy pipes up and he says well you know i want him to say i was a loving husband and a good dad they look over at the third guy third guy finally chimes in after a bit and he says yeah people at my funeral i want him to say look he's moving (laughs) and thankfully when our funeral comes if we are followers of christ i don't think we're going to be looking for a ticket back to earth Because right now we are living in a tattered tent that will eventually fade away, but we are on our way to a home that lasts. And in this world, we're given free will, which means that people are are allowed to choose sin. And when they choose sin, it sends creation all into this cosmic cycle of sin and death, and it's futile. But this cosmic cycle of sin results in untimely sicknesses and tornadoes and accidental shootings and abortions and drunk drivers and fatherless families. But God, in his loving sovereignty, has decided that free will is worth it he didn't want us just to be robots he wanted us to choose and so pain is still an option but even then in the pain of this fallen world we can worship and we can take heart in the hope of heaven my friend jensen was a freshman at ozark christian college and he drove a beautiful red 65 mustang he played on the basketball team had a million dollar smile loved jesus And about a year ago, Jensen's 65 Mustang was crushed like a pop can when he was hit by a semi that didn't even have time to see him. And if you want to see worship, I'll show you worship. When you watch Jensen's dad raise his hands to heaven and sing, you're a good, good father, 10 feet away from his 19-year-old son's casket. How can he do that? The hope of heaven. And our God is into the alleviation of all kinds of suffering, but especially the eternal kind of suffering. So let us never forget that though this world we are living in is fallen, we can move forward in the knowledge that our victory has been won. And our new life is assured. So may the sorrow and the silence of this world woo us upward to heaven. And may the suffering and the waiting of our troubled time on earth lure us inward to God's presence. It's as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And our temporary reality on this earth will sometimes be silence and suffering and waiting. But our eternal reality will be face to face with our glorious father, where the old order of things has passed away, where there is no crying or mourning or darkness or tears, where he will wipe every tear at last from our eyes. Oh, my church. Come on. If he only took six days to create this world and Jesus said he was going to go prepare a place for us and he's been working on it for 2000 years, I think it's going to be pretty good. So church, when it seems like God is silent, look towards heaven, because that's home. You know, they say that the best kind of counselor is one who's been through what you're going through. Isaiah 9, 6 says that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Hebrews will tell us that he's been through what we're going through. He learned obedience. He was completed through his suffering. Isaiah says he was a man of sorrows and familiar with pain. And so now he's our sympathetic high priest. And he's sympathetic because he knows what it's like to beg God. On his knees in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, pleading, Father, take this cup from me. And God didn't. And so Jesus said, yet not my will, but yours be done. And he knows what it's like to hear nothing on the other end of the line as he hung on the cross crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. Jesus Christ himself abandoned by God for our sake. The light of the world snuffed out in utter darkness. He experienced that forsakenness so that we could experience acceptance. And he endured that silence so that we might approach the throne of God in prayer with confidence now that the veil is torn. And yet, the silence for Jesus did not last forever, did it church? Because on the third day, he busted down the door of that grave and he shook loose the death grip of sin on creation and he rose to new life. And so now we too have the hope of knowing that the silence is not forever because we too have been raised to new life with him and have the hope of heaven. So every time you hear the silence, every time you cry out in desperation and you wonder if God is there, remember that Jesus has been there first. And so now, even in your despair, he is interceding for us before the Father. So when God seems silent, examine yourself. When God seems silent, trust him. When he says, no, his grace is sufficient. When he says, not yet, persevere. And in all of it, look towards heaven. And as we persevere in prayer, examining ourselves, trusting God, looking towards heaven, we will be made to be more like Jesus, to think like him, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates, to be brokenhearted by the things that break his heart, to prioritize like he prioritizes. And one of these days, if we don't give up, he's going to welcome us home and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So church, Christ Jesus who died, More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are a good dad. We are glad to be your children. Thank you for hearing us when we pray and for answering us. And Father, when we don't hear you, give us the insight to examine ourselves well and to see what it is that is hindering our relationship with you and to remove it. Bring us the true repentance. Father, when we don't hear you, help us to trust you, who you are, because we know that you are good in all things and all you do is good. And Father, fix our eyes to heaven where all will at last be made right. Jesus we eagerly await your coming come lord jesus it's in your name amen